Welcome to Across the Pond, a Christian commentary on the way of Jesus in the world today with the co-founders of Red Letter Christians, Dr. Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne. Red Letter Christians gets its name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red, and we are aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. Some episodes of this podcast have been adapted from our radio show, Across the Pond, which airs on Sunday afternoons in the UK on Premier Radio. Thank you for listening. Let's jump into this week's episode with Shane Claiborne. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me. This is Shane Claiborne, and I'm your host. Uh, we On this show, we talk about uh, how our faith connects with the world that we're living in. As old Karl Barth said, we read the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other so that our faith doesn't just become a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the hurting world we live in. Uh, I guess these days it might be the, the Twitter feed or the, the Instagram in the other instead of the newspaper, but uh, there's a lot going on in the world. Woo, mercy. And in the U.S. and really in many places around the world, folks are talking a lot about abortion. And especially here in the States, because uh, this document, of course, was released from the Supreme Court, leaked uh, a leaked document that uh, showed the court's um, uh, ambition to overturn Roe versus Wade. And just a little backdrop uh, for folks that are maybe new to thinking about this, um, that uh, the decision to overturn Roe versus Wade would sort of put the the um, uh, the ball in the court for each state to decide. And there's a number of states that are poised or already uh, on the books uh, to make law uh, the, the abortion completely illegal. And so uh, there's all these culture wars and debates, but there really are lives at stake. And I wanted to, um, I did a little Twitter poll uh, a week or two ago, uh, just to see where people are at, to try to get a pulse on things. And th- this was, I found it really interesting. I mean, thousands of people responded to these little polls. And I know it's, you know, it's folks that are following uh, me and Red Letter Christian. So th- there is a little tunnel vision on it. But um, this was interesting to me when when we asked folks, do you think abortion should be legal, safe and rare? That used to be really common language, legal, safe and rare. Eighty percent of people said, yes, it should be legal, safe and rare. And some would go on to say, um, we all need to work to make it rarer and rarer, you know, and um, we're going to talk about that a little today. Um, there was, you know, I asked the question in the poll of where life begins, and almost half of the folks said life begins at conception. Um, but then, you know, there's bigger questions, like just because life's begun, to, you know, at what point does the fetus have rights, and when do those rights collide with the rights of the mother? So there's really <laughs> massive questions, and part of why this issue is difficult is because the, the Bible doesn't really speak directly to it. On a number of other things, we, we, we've got some really great guideposts. And abortion existed in the time of the early church and scripture, uh, but we have very little handholds that we can uh, go on. And we can talk about the one or two verses that um, you can kind of read into to make some assumptions. But here's where I wanted to start is there's all these folks talking about this issue. I mean, there's folks in the street on all sides. There's people holding signs, yelling and screaming. I mean, almost every dinner conversation, it seems to come up. But we 
aren't always listening very well to each other, but especially to people who have been directly impacted. And I think this is a, a, a particularly important issue to listen uh, to those who have been impacted. Uh, statistics show that about one in every four women has had an abortion. So they're not we may not necessarily know that because we haven't created a safe place to talk about this um, with one another. Um, and, and so today, to really frame this conversation, there's no one I could think of uh, having a conversation with uh, and, and be more excited about it than Elizabeth Kiefer Krauss. And it's not a great conversation. I mean, I'm sure you'd like to be talking about other things, Elizabeth, but um, you've been impacted by this and we're going to talk about that. But first of all, uh, thanks for being a conversation partner uh, with oh, me today. Thank you for having the conversation. My, I speak about this a lot and I find um, it's so refreshing when men are willing to have this conversation, less from a position of trying to tell me about it, because I've lived it and they never will. Um, but from a position of being willing to hear my story and consider what my experience was, I think that's so helpful and so encouraging. Um, yeah, so thank you. absolutely. And, and uh, I think the first time that Elizabeth and I um, met and collaborated was when Red Letter Christians hosted a town hall. We actually did two town halls because mm -hmm. Uh, they were so generative and fruitful. And, um, and the whole thing was about, we need a better conversation on abortion. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there were a lot of women on that call. And, but the conversation was to have a, uh, I mean, the whole point was to have a conversation between men and women, between um, uh, Christians that are doing our best to follow Jesus, but work this out in different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you shared, I think it stopped everyone in their tracks to really realize that this is not just a hot button issue, but it really is something that um, has names, faces, and stories, um, deep grief. Uh, mm -hmm. And and so give us just a, I mean, I, I want you to tell, we're, we're here to hear your story, mm -hmm. but I, I want to you to tell a little bit of the backdrop of, of, of who yeah. you are. Cause you know, yeah. I grew up in the Bible belt and I think we probably had some similar upbringings where, you know, Dead. I talked about being pro-life, but we really only for focused on abortion and on almost every other issue of life. And death, <laughs> yeah. We were on the wrong side. So your, your upbringing yeah. wasn't too much different from that, right? No, I was raised in a very fundamentalist Christian family. Um, my mother, even now, as I speak on this issue, I think praise for my great salvation, um, because for her and for our family, the pro-life politics, and I want to differentiate that from a pro-life ethic. I think those are two separate things we can kind of dive into later, but um, pro-life politics was really a core tenet of the Christian faith in my home. And so I grew up believing, you know, that God created all life, that life began at conception, and that all means should be taken to protect unborn lives because those lives could not advocate for themselves. Ergo, they needed already born people to do it. Um, and I, I held to those beliefs very sincerely. And I will say, I still hold to some of those beliefs seriously. I still, as a woman of faith, um, believe that God created life 
and that life is valuable and precious to God. And that we as a culture collectively, and we as individuals should work to preserve the life that God created um, to the best of our abilities. That's where I hold now. Um, But how that looks for me has changed. Uh, the way that that is implemented in my life and the way I believe that should be implemented legally and politically has really, really shifted because, you know, for me, I grew up to become everything that communities of faith want their daughters to be. I was educated beyond graduate school. Um, I was married. I had a career. I had affordable housing. I had access to health, health care and health insurance. Um, I had all the privilege that being a middle-class educated white woman gave me in this world, um, undeserved privilege at that. And so all of my pregnancies, and I've been pregnant four times in my life, all of my pregnancies were planned, wanted, um, happened within the context of marriage as Mm -hmm. communities of faith find so important or many communities of faith find so important. Um, And yet none of those perfect, quote unquote, perfect choices that I made to try and do everything the right way um, lent towards the sunshine and rainbows that we all sort of hope for. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, my first pregnancy was twin boys. And my third pregnancy was a son as well. And both of those for reasons outside my control, drove me into situations where I had to choose between my life and the life Mm. of a fetus baby wanted child. Like all those terms are accurate in my experience, but are not accurate for every person who births. Um, I had to really choose between my life and the life of this, this fetus that I was carrying. Um, and that is not a position I wanted for myself, imagined myself, nor did I make the decision that could young pro-life Elizabeth have predicted. Mm. Um, I ended up choosing very differently um, for reasons. And so I can kind of go into that a little yeah, bit more. Well, that would be helpful. Absolutely. And I want folks to know as we're talking that you, because of your experience, this is a passion of yours and yeah. you engage it regularly. So yeah. uh, we, we don't know each other real well, but I know mm-hmm. you well enough. And we've talked a little bit beforehand that you mm-hmm. uh, are, we know what we're talking about. And I'm, yeah. I'm you allowed me to ask these, you know, deeply yes. personal questions about your experience. But, you know, as so when, when people talk about late term abortion, that's become mm-hmm. kind of a buzzword, right? Because yeah. it is kind of the most, um, uh, if you're trying to make the case that you shouldn't um, uh, kill an unborn child, this is the argument that's made, right? And and yeah. and there's people that take it over the top. I remember Trump at one point saying, "Sometimes a baby's even born. They wrap it in a towel, and the doctor and the mother <laughs> decide whether they're going to live, let it live or not, right? right. And that, that's called happen. murder, right? Yeah, right. that's right. Um, and and so, um, but this is a very small percentage of abortions, right? Mm-hmm. The statistic w- that I've seen is that it's around 6,000 a year, less than 1% of the overall abortions are in the later part of pregnancy. Um, and there, some people have this idea that just somewhere late into pregnancy, a, a mother just decides, you know what, I'm not going to have this child. But I've never met anyone like that. No, that the, the doesn't people happen. that I have met have stories very similar to yours. And mm-hmm. I want to, you know, invite you to share a little bit more about yeah. that experience. Cause I think it does 
reframe how a lot of people talk about this buzzword of late-term abortion? Yeah. Oh man. I, I planned for my sons, uh, wanted my sons named my sons. Um, and I think of them as my sons to this day. Um, my twins would be just next month would be, would have turned 12. So I think of them often and, and kind of, they're very precious to me. Um, and yet I don't carry any shame or guilt over the choice I made. And part of that is because I really believe fundamentally that God understands how scary it is to be us. And for me, I was in situations in both of the pregnancies that I um, terminated. I was beyond 20 weeks pregnant. 20 weeks is usually kind of a milestone. You find out, you know, boy or girl, or what do you have? You know, all those things. For me, those ultrasounds resulted in really terrible news, especially for my twins. Um, They had what was called twin to twin transfusion syndrome. Um, I didn't even know I was pregnant with twins until that ultrasound. So that was revelatory in and of itself. Um, and it was very clear, uh, that they did not have in their bodies, what they needed in order to survive outside the womb. My body essentially was life support for them. Their brains were flooded with fluid. They had contractured limbs, which means the limbs were locked into their body. Um, my son, John was missing his stomach, um, they just were not made for life outside my body. And I really began to wrestle with what to do about that. Carry to term, let, my initial plan was we'll carry to term and let them go. But it became really clear that my life was in jeopardy. I contracted an infection and began to go septic. Um, and so within a couple of days after sort of finding out what was going on, had to sort of make a decision to either try and carry longer if I could to save lives who couldn't live or to protect my life and simply let them go. And I really, really, again, this was, it was shocking information. I, you know, had never wanted to be in this situation and remember being sort of frozen. I didn't know what to do. Um, And ultimately came to the place of recognizing that it would be wrong for me to hold an ethic for myself that I didn't apply to the the babies I was carrying. For me, I know that if I was in a place where I was only alive because of life support, I would want someone to just let me go. Let me go in peace. Let me go in dignity. Let me go to God, whatever that looks like. Um, And for me to hang on to that pregnancy in the name of some sort of moral righteousness that truly doesn't exist would have caused those, my boys to suffer. They would have been born in great pain. Um, And I just was not willing. I found peace in recognizing this is what I would want for myself. And I don't want to hold less for my for the the boys I'm carrying. Mm. And so I chose a late-term abortion. I chose to let them go. I have researched this, published this, interviewed countless countless birthing people about their situations. I have yet to find one Mm -hmm. who chose to stay pregnant, which by the way, being pregnant is hard. It is taxing. It's exhausting. Nobody is choosing that state and then willy-nilly just kind of deciding not to do it Mm -hmm. at the last minute. That just, it's a lie. It's propaganda. It's 
pandering for votes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found was a whole community of birthing people who um, labored and agonized over the decisions they made and did the best that they could in really terrible situations. Mm-hmm. Late-term abortions, for you know, my experience was that they are performed humanely with great compassion, great care for the birthing person, as well as for uh, the fetus and that there's great care given. With my other son, um, I contracted, I had what's called a placental abruption and began to hemorrhage. Um, That situation was much more emergent than with my twins. Essentially, I was rushed into the hospital, bleeding out profusely after some complications in the pregnancy had already been known and were being monitored. Um, and I just, you know, my doctor just leveled with me, you know, I said, I kept saying, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. I just want to go home. Mm -hmm. And my doctor leveled with me and said, it's your, this is your body. It's your choice, what you do. And it's only my job to give you all the information. You can go home if you choose, but I don't see a viable way that you would ever make it back here alive because of how significantly you're hemorrhaging and because of how significant your body is infected right now because Mm. of that hemorrhage. And so I had about a matter of an hour to make a decision on my life or, or, um, or the life of the baby. And, um, you know, Mm -hmm. his lungs were underdeveloped. He didn't, he, there was no way for him to be born viably, at that moment. And so I just, again, it's doing the best you can in a really, really terrible situation. Um, and I do believe that, you know, if life, be- I, I don't, none of us know how to answer does life begin at conception. Science mm-hmm. doesn't really affirm that too well. Varying religious traditions have different thoughts on that. I think scripture is unclear in the old Testament. We see, you know, if a pregnant woman is murdered, it's really the woman, the woman that is is the problem the mm. the fetus is not really there is the no pregnant punishment. mother dies yeah, yeah 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 so we have some really really mixed signals in those regards so i have held the belief that life begins with god mm. and that when life ends life goes back to god i don't know what that looks like mm-hmm. um that is just what has given me faith or comfort and so i think that regardless yeah. you know even if there's only six thousand women Uh, we have to recognize that these procedures are performed even in varying situations. When a woman has what's called an ectopic pregnancy, it's the same abortive procedure to save that birthing person's life. When miscarriages happen, in other words, the fetus has already died. There's no heartbeat. There is nothing. Um, If that body is not passing the tissue, it's the same abortion procedure to save that person's life. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about abortion being outlawed, Yes, we're talking about people like me who um, do the best we can in terrible situations with very wanted pregnancies. We're talking about people with ectopic pregnancies. We're talking about people with miscarriages. And we're talking about the host of birthing people for whom the world we have created has made that choice impossible. Mm. People trapped in domestic violence, people trapped in perpetual poverty, people trapped in abusive, varying abusive situations, people in a, in a reality where the economics of the world does not make it possible. Yeah. Um, so let, let me just say, thank you first. Thank you for bringing your, your, your story and your, your passion, your courage. I know you've taken a lot of hits because of sharing your story. Um, mm-hmm. 
And for those that might just be listening in now, um, I'm Shane Claiborne, the host, and my guest is Elizabeth Kiefer Kraus, who um, we've done several things together. And every time I hear your story, it, you know, um, it rips my heart out, but it all, it also reminds me that your story is not the only story like this. There are so many variations of it and, um, different experiences, people that have, um, had to face this horrible decision of, of their life, their child's life, what to do when, uh, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. Um, and it, as I listen to you share um, it, it makes me think of this, that um, as people are talking about late-term abortion, it, it feels like there are a lot of unreasonable people on polls, but there's a lot of people in the middle that want, you know, I do a lot of work on guns and mm -hmm. we talk about common sense gun laws, mm -hmm. you know, there's things like the death penalty, that thing just needs to be done with it, abolish yes. the thing, tear yes. down the death house, right, yes. get her done, but yeah. With, with guns, like, I don't think legislation is the, the bit best way, like, that we should make every gun illegal. I think that's, mm -hmm. but I do think that we need to put some restrictions and we need to, like, have uh, a capacity that guns can shoot before reloading, you know, like mm -hmm. assault rifles should be banned. And I think there's some folks that on this issue, too, they're going, I would just like to hear Democrats say that abortions after a certain point, let's say 24 weeks or something are not going to be legal unless a life is at stake. That yeah. would actually move things forward. I, I mm -hmm. think for a lot of folks. And likewise, I think there's folks on the left, you know, uh, in progressive circles that would like to hear some conservatives say, you know what, I'm, I'm against abortion in general, but I think there are certain instances or maybe the first trimester or whatever but before there's viability you know whatever like mm -hmm. that there's there's some instances rape and incest or mm -hmm. in your case medical condition mm -hmm. that, that that um abortion is the 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 sad um choice someone is going to make and so do you, do you feel like that yeah. is there such a thing as common sense laws on abortion yeah there are and i think we have to remember that a lot of them are in play already and we just don't know about it until you've lived it. You really don't know. So a couple of things I learned on my journey about what's legal now and what's not, it is not legal now to just have a willy nilly, um, willy nilly abortion at, after 24 weeks, there are legal hoops to jump through. The reality is there is no way to legislate all of the possible things that could come up in a pregnancy that would require this kind of intervention for in one of my situations, twin to twin transfusion, that's a pretty common. In the other, it was a cough. A I had pneumonia and coughed and tore my placenta. Mm -hmm. How do you legislate a cough? Right. You don't. So the reality is we have to trust birthing people to work with their doctors within the constraints of the laws that we have. And we have to recognize that it's possible to hold that life is precious and worth protecting and that there are things in the world that we can't predict or foresee that would always mean that abortion is, is necessary. And so how do we work for a world to make them less necessary? We work towards solving issues of you know, economic um, injustice. We work to solve domestic violence. We work to get people out of poverty. We work to make mm -hmm. um, 
all these things, you know, yeah. contraceptives I mean, e- available. Economic, we work e- to fix the world. The financial stability is consistently mm-hmm. listed as the um, number, the number one, one reason, you know, and so it, it, it does really, I mean, there's, there's people saying this in a lot of different ways, but if you really do care about reducing abortion, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you care about making childcare more accessible and affordable, um, uh, you know, uh, things like uh, Head Start and healthcare and and, paid family leave. leave. We have a huge formula shortage right now and not enough people able to get time who can't breastfeed. What do we do with that? And let's be clear, there are people that are fighting to make the medical procedure that you had illegal, right? And to charge people criminally for making a decision that no one wants to make of, of whether or not you're going to choose your life or your child's. And, mm-hmm. and that's happening. I mean, that's yeah. not alarmist talk. Yeah. I live, last, right last, the, yeah, I live in Washington, right on the border of Idaho. 43% of the abortion procedures performed in my area are pe- residents of Idaho, mm-hmm. where, where abortion is a lot harder to access. So making it illegal doesn't make it stop. In the last minute, I mean, we'll do this again, Elizabeth, but I, there's such an important conversation, but um, I I, want to say that, you know, your story is very compelling, but there's so many women that I know um, that have other complicated stories. Mm -hmm. Some of them were, were victims of rape. Some -hmm. of them were not. And that makes it complicated for them because they, they see themselves as like, these are, um, like understandable abortions and mine was just a choice I made early in my pregnancy. And, yeah. and, and some of them feel numb to that and that's yeah. complicated. And some of yeah. them feel a deep burden of what would it be like to have a 12 year old right now? You know? Yeah. And so this is real. I think more than anything, I just want to say we need um, compassion right now. Yeah. And we, we need uh, you can have a lot of ideas you're passionate about and not be kind or loving and your ideas don't matter much if you're not kind or loving. That's and I, I want to give you the last word. So you got any closing words for us as we yeah. close out? I think you can hold multiple things as being important. So hold them gently and treat each other with dignity. Speak always with an emphasis on humanizing the person you're talking to, because that's what matters most. And that was a good last word from Elizabeth <laughs> Kiefer Krause. Thanks for joining me. Uh, and we'll see you next week. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more about Red Letter Christians, please visit redletterchristians.org for resources, upcoming events, and to connect with other people who are passionate about Jesus and justice. You can follow Shane Claiborne and Red Letter Christians on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to support our work with a one-time gift or by becoming a monthly sustainer of the movement, please visit our website and click on the red donate button. Thank you for tuning in.